Hello there, and welcome to the Foothills Deeper Pod, a podcast all about how we can love the hells out of this world together. I'm Reverend Elaine, one of your hosts, and it is such a treat to get to be with you this week. This week in the thick of April springtime goodness, coming just on the heels of Earth Day. I have to admit that when Earth Day comes up each year, I wish that I felt this sense of celebration and connectedness with all life, but I have to admit that I often just notice an impulse to tune it out or to gloss over Earth Day. And I think that's partly because acknowledging my love for this planet means also feeling the pain of where we are in this whole climate mess, because we grieve for that which we love. And this exact conundrum is why it was so good to have Kathleen Rood with us as a guest preacher this past Sunday, to both address the reality of our overwhelm, outrage, and grief in these challenge, challenging climate times, and also to help us access our resilience and our inner strength. In this episode, Kathleen shows us how we can shift into compassionate presence and inspired action when we are feeling stuck in climate despair. Even though we might feel like we don't have enough or aren't capable enough to bring about a difference, our not-enoughness can be just enough to create change. A few notes about Kathleen. She is a senior facilitator of the Work That Reconnects, a group process that fosters resilience, connection, and commitment for the healing of our world. She was mentored by Joanna Macy, the internationally acclaimed eco-philosopher and author of the book Active Hope, which was the inspiration for our current worship series at Foothills this spring. Um, she also facilitated an awesome Active Hope workshop for our community this past weekend. You can find out more about Kathleen at GaiaWisdom.org, G-A-I-A Wisdom.org. So without further ado, I give you Kathleen Rood. These past few months have been particularly painful for myself and people I love. One friend, Dave, is grieving the death of his 42-year-old nephew from pancreatic cancer. He leaves behind a wife and two young teenagers. My close friends, Terry and Gary, were forced from their home of 20 years through no fault of their own. Victims of Wells Fargo's corrupt mortgage restructuring scheme, and they are still looking for permanent housing. Another long-term friend who tended a small garden in my yard just passed away from intestinal cancer. Norman grew the most delicious garlic. Now his wife, Annette, also a dear friend, and I will have to learn how to grow it without him. And their sons are struggling with the loss of their dad. And a dear, beautiful soul, so troubled by depression and anxiety, despite an apparent recovery of several years, took her own life last month. After a relapse, Susan kept hidden from me and our circle of friends. So the amount of grief, anger, fear, and overwhelm I've been helping my friends navigate is also something that I carry inside myself. I've been living through a time where it seems like everything hurts. But I know I'm not alone. I imagine that many of you are burdened by your own hurts fears, outrage, 
darkness, despair. We are exposed to a constant barrage of bad news everywhere, every day, in every way. We hear about the suffering caused by climate change, racial injustice, corporate corruption, extinction of species, threats to our democracy, toxins in our air, soil, and water, wars. The list goes on. These are challenging times where everything seems to hurt. Amanda Gorman is a brilliantly direct and profound poet and wise beyond her years. Maybe everything hurts, our hearts shadowed and strange, but only when everything hurts may everything change. Her beautifully moving words beg the question, how does everything change? How does the hurt lead us into something different, something new, something more kind, just, and loving? This is one of the questions we've been exploring this weekend in the Active Hope Retreat that your community is so generously sponsoring. And I'm deeply grateful for this opportunity to share the work with all of you who are engaging in this transformative process of the work that reconnects. The work that reconnects is a four-step experiential roadmap that guides us into new relationships with both our joys and our sorrows so that we can be fully present to life and our ability to participate in changing ourselves and the world. It helps us find our way through to compassionate presence and inspired action. Last week's sermon, I understand, invited you into an exploration of gratitude. As the first step in the work that reconnects journey, gratitude provides the foundation, the anchor necessary for facing our pain and our inadequacies. We live in an economic world that is constantly barraging us with messages about needing this particular smartphone, this designer shoe, this car, this body spray, this fashion look to be powerful, relevant, and happy. But all that does is feed into our own insecurities and anxieties. But when we see the world through the filter of gratitude, we can start to reject these disempowering messages because gratitude opens our heart to all that we love. We feel the abundance around us rather than the lack. Joanna Macy, the root teacher of the work, refers to gratitude as a radical political act because it takes us out of a sense of not having enough, doing enough, or being enough into a feeling of simple abundance and appreciation for what is. But gratitude is a muscle we need to regularly exercise for it to help us. When we do, the results can be really impressive. Researchers are finding that people who practice gratitude consistently report a host of benefits, including stronger immune systems, they experience fewer aches and pains, even chronic uh, irreversible pain, they exercise more, sleep better, they experience more joy, they're more forgiving, resilient, and compassionate. So maintaining an attitude of gratitude is truly powerful medicine, and it's especially important during times of great stress and trauma. 
Brother David Steindlerast is one of the world's foremost teachers of gratitude, and he writes, times that challenge us physically, emotionally, and spiritually may make it almost impossible for us to feel grateful sometimes. Yet we can decide to live gratefully, courageously open to life in all its fullness. By living the gratefulness we don't feel at the time, we begin to feel the gratefulness we live. Now to be clear, an attitude of gratitude is not being thankful for the difficulties and the hurts. It's about being aware of what we're grateful for while moving through the tough times. I am not grateful for climate change or for the sleepless nights or many tears shed because of it. But I am grateful to see and to be a part of communities like yours where there are caring people who are caring about this and doing things to bring about a better world. And I am grateful for the scientists who are continuing to do the research that we need to guide our actions and for the innovators who are helping us to figure out new ways and remembering old ways to be. So we can be hurting and thankful at the same time. So I invite you now just to check back in with yourself about what you shared um, this morning earlier with your partner about something beautiful and how that made you feel. Because these feelings of gratitude can be an anchor for us, a touchstone. So I invite you to let that memory enfold you. Because this is one way that gratitude helps us build resilience. Gratitude provides that loving embrace that can hold us when we fall apart, when everything hurts. Zen poet Thich Nhat Hanh, who passed away last year, was asked once, what do we need to do to save the world? He replied, what we most need to do is to hear within us the sounds of the earth crying. And to do this, we first need to allow ourselves to feel our own feelings about the problems in the world, the problems we're all facing, our feelings of anger, of fear, grief, and hopelessness. No matter how often we feel these emotions from time to time, every day, every hour, it's important to understand that it's perfectly normal it's healthy and it's imperative that we have these feelings. Our pain for the world is not a problem or a neurosis. It's an honest reaction to what is happening all around us and through us. We feel pain if we put our hands too close to a flame, even this flame of love, right? And that pain tells us to pull our hand away before we get burned. But physical pain, it serves a purpose and we can be grateful for it. Our emotional pain works the same way. It gives us information about a situation so that we know how to respond. They let us know when something is not working, is not healthy, is not safe. But if we shut down our emotional pain, if we deny it or suppress it, we're cutting off important information we need for survival and for our sanity. And we do that, don't we? We live in a society that discourages expressions of tough emotions. When we start to cry, often the first, the first response is, oh, I'm so sorry. But why are we apologizing for the gift of expressing how we feel? 
I think it's because we're afraid of these feelings for a variety of reasons. So see if any of these resonate with you. I'm afraid if I let myself experience the pain, I'll never get out of it. People will think I'm crazy or will turn away from me if I tell them or show them how I really feel. I don't know how to fix this situation, so I don't have the right to be upset about it. If I express these feelings, I'll be attracting more of that energy to me, and I only want to think positive thoughts. This last sentiment I find particularly concerning because it implies that somehow these strong emotions are negative, that my anger is negative, my grief is negative. But these feelings are neutral and they are necessary. Suppressing these feelings reduces our access to our imagination and our intuition. It reduces empathy. It numbs our ability to react. Unexpressed emotions can make us sick and they also depress our ability to feel any emotions. But our feelings are not meant to be repressed or stay stuck. The English word emotion comes from the Latin root emovere, which means to move out. So in other words, emotions need to be released. They need to move through us. I invite you now to think back over this last month and raise your hand if in that time you ever felt grief. Raise your hand if in that time you felt angry. How about feeling afraid? Raise your hand if you felt hopeless or feeling like you don't have what it takes to make a big enough difference in the world. From these show of hands, you can see that you are not alone. Others are feeling these ways as well. They may have different issues or circumstances that they're reacting to, but these feelings are alive in us, and this is perfectly normal. Now I'd like to invite you to turn back to the person that you checked in with this morning at the beginning of service and share one thing that is either causing you concern, fear, anger, hopelessness. So take about a minute um, to just share one thing with that person. Okay. And we have a... Can you ding a bell? Yeah.
ติเมื่อเราเห็นภาพของเราเราเห็นภาพของเราเราเห็นภาพของเราเราเห็นภาพของเราเราเห็นภาพของเราเราเห็นภาพของเราเราเห็นภาพของเราเราเห็นภาพของเ
We also see that we aren't responding only out of personal fear or anger or grief. We are feeling these things for others and for the world around us. We realize that we all are a part of something larger than ourselves. And as your community does so beautifully every week, understand and recognize that we are connected to all things, to all life on the planet. And when we remember we are all connected, we feel more empowered to act on behalf of Earth and others. And we're called into that inspired action. I love the messaging you've created for your month-long focus on active hope. Wake up to life's beauty. Remember our interdependence. Honor our grief. Imagine a radically different future where all life thrives in abundance. Where hope is something we do together where we act on behalf of hope. I'd like to lift up where hope is something we do together. This is so important. What we have learned from honoring our pain is that healing happens when we come together to share these feelings. We see that we're not alone and that we aren't meant to do this work alone. The same is true for bringing about change. No one person here or anywhere has the ability to fix all the wrongs in the world by themselves. And we shouldn't have the expectation that we can or that we should. But we do anyway, because there is so much to lose and time feels short. But this unrealistic expectation can be crippling on its own. And now let's add in that insecurity of, I'm just one person. What good can I do? When I succumb to this mindset, I quickly move into a sense of what I call not enoughness. I don't have enough time. I don't have enough information or expertise, not enough physical or emotional energy, not enough influence or power, not enough money, not enough conviction, not enough fill in the blank. And it's true. There will never be enough of everything. This feeling of not enoughness is real except when it comes to love. Love, I believe, is infinite, and it grows as it is given. But just for just about everything else, not enoughness will regularly apply. It is, however, not a barrier to our being able to make a difference, because we don't create big change by ourselves. Really take that in. We don't create big change by ourselves. Dr. Clarissa Pinkola Estes, Jungian analyst and author of Women Who Run With the Wolves, reminds us, ours is not the task of fixing the entire world all at once, but of stretching out to mend the part of the world that was, is within our reach. Theologian, author, and civil rights activist Howard Thurman offers, don't ask what the world needs. Ask what makes you come alive and go do it. Because the world, what the world needs is people who have come alive. So ask yourself, what is within your reach? What makes your heart come alive? This will give you the insight into the niche you can fill and where you are being called into inspired action. Then bring your gifts and your not enoughness into community. 
Because when we act in collaboration with others, the impact, impact of our actions are amplified, multiplied, and transformed. When we all come together, where hope is something we do together with inspired vision, when we act for hope, the impact that emerges is much greater than what we could have accomplished separately. We find that not enough can oftentimes be just enough to create change. On Tuesday, I will travel back to Chicago where my friends and I will still be dealing with a lot of hurt. We will shed tears, wrestle with regrets, and worry about what comes next. We will continue to fall apart in that loving embrace of gratitude. Gratitude for the loving support of friends and family, the generosity of those contributing to the GoFundMe campaign, the gift of cherished memories, and the tender caress of poetry. Maybe everything hurts, our hearts shadowed and strange, but only when everything hurts and we honor that hurt, befriend the tough emotions and let them move through us, when we become compassionate witnesses to others and are witnessed by them with deep gratitude, when we remember our interconnectedness and interdependence, when we bring our not enoughness into community, then may everything change. I'd like to leave you with one more tender caress of poetry by Rosemary Watola Tromer. Notes to self on living in Paradox Valley. You, de you do not need to know what comes next. There is always another storm, and you cannot hang your tent out to dry before it has gotten wet. You cannot shovel snow that has yet to fall. Put down the shovel. Breathe into the dark spaces of your back. Feel how they open like cave doors to let in the light. Let your face soften. Let the creases fall from your brow. The mind, no matter how clear, will never become a crystal ball. Whatever is wisest in you knows to run when it hears the first crashes of rockfall. It does not pause to consider metamorphic or igneous, nor does it hesitate to wonder what might have pushed them down. It is no small thing to trust yourself. It is right that, your, that love should shake your body that you should find yourself trembling in the rubble and dust after all your certainties have come down. But your breath has not left you. Here is the morning rain. It opens to the scent of leaves and air. All around you, the world is changing. What are you waiting for? Here is this cup of mint tea growing stronger in itself. Here on this cliff of uncertainty, there is stillness in you, so spirited, so alive, that whatever is wisest in you is dancing. Oh, that gorgeous poem just continues to bowl me over with its tenderness every time I hear it. So good. And what a beautiful message, Kathleen. We were so lucky to have you with us this past weekend. As we wrap up this deeper pod time together, my friends, 
Let us take the next steps into our lives with just a little more openness, a little more willingness to honor our pain and breathe through it, a willingness to cultivate resilience so that we might create that space inside of us to connect, connect with our courage, our love, our passion for justice. What we do matters. So let's keep moving through this world with compassion, trusting that being just ourselves is so often just enough. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us for this week's episode of the Foothills Deeper Pod. If you have a moment, it would be so great if you could leave a positive review on Apple Podcasts. This really does help people discover the show. um, And it really helps us get the word out about what we're doing at Foothills, unleashing courageous love in Northern Colorado and beyond. Thank you so much for listening. It was great to be together with you today. This ground below us, this ground below us, is holy, holy, is holy, holy. This air that breathes us, Hey!